Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Welcome in to everyone watching or listening live or on demand. This is the Makeshift Managers Podcast. My name is Austin. That's Devin. Below me is Christian Rao from Rao Report slash Sports, all this, all that. Christian, how you doing, sir? Hey, what's going on, guys? Austin, Devin. Uh, been a long time coming. I know we've had a conversation, um, you know, talking on, on Twitter, on social media for the past Know, a couple months now trying to get this mm-hmm. to go so i'm really excited to finally get on this podcast i uh, love what you guys do and looking forward to having this conversation hey man Sweet. um the sorry Devin, just real quick the thing that stopped us from this is you had a child um, congratulations. So congratulations on that yeah thank you very um, much yeah she's doing great she is uh, about almost six weeks now um it was a really crazy transition that's for sure um but <laughs> I'll tell you what, it wouldn't change it for the world. Um, and yeah, just finally sliding back into, you know, getting content going. And um, I'm glad we finally got this all scheduled out and and ready to continue on. So baseball didn't sleep and uh, and neither am I now. So I guess we're good. <laughs> Basically the same oh. thing. We're good to go. That's right. Devin, now I won't interrupt you. You're good. <laughs> hey, dude, there's nothing to interrupt. It's been a it's been a fun couple of weeks. Everybody, stay safe, stay healthy. Uh, COVID is starting to ramp up again. Don't ask me how I know. Just everybody, stay safe. But um, we're breathing. We're lively. My throat isn't sore, and I'm ready to talk baseball. So let, let's get started here. Good to hear. Hey, man, as long as you can smell and taste the grass of baseball, we're good to go. <laughs> so, pace of go. play, boy, where do we start? Um, I know exactly where to start, actually. Christian has done us the does the world a favor and gathering data over this year about times a game, all this, all that. Um, so through April and May thus far, Christian, what have you found? Well, all the way up until yesterday is really where I, I go. I usually grab the, the stats for the game prior in the morning. So I have the stats up to June 12th right now. Um, and we're looking at about 900 games. I think it's 902 to be exact right now where we're sitting. Maybe it's 903. It could be wrong. Um, but we're looking at really not much change from the past few years. And I know that sounds like that's going to you know, throw a lot of maybe heads up in the air, question marks up, what's going on, all this, all this talk during the lockout about what's going on pace of play. We're going to add all these new rules. We're going to make sure that TV deals are taken care of and fans are going to get more excited. Well, if anything, it's not doing it's not really changing the game whatsoever. More gameplay is playing because I'm sure we're going to talk about a certain rule here in a minute that's limiting certain aspects of of commercial breaks, things like that, right? But we're not seeing much of an actual gameplay. We're still over that 3 hour 3 hour mark over by a large margin in my opinion. And we need to get a lot lower if they want a successful attempt at the pace of play change, whether you're for or not, I'm sure we'll have this conversation in the next hour or so, how we feel about where we're at. And I have some conflicting views on each side of the house. So I feel like it'll be a fun conversation, but right now we're sitting at an average of three hours and seven minutes. Last year's pace of play overall was three hours and 11 minutes. So we are four hour, four minutes below, but is four minutes enough to make all these rule changes in a change, uh, honestly, America's pastime? That's probably the biggest question. And that's what I was trying to get to and try to really understand what is going to change um, and what is changing with pace of play. Does it have something to do with maybe some of the rules we're not paying attention to 
um, or not really focusing on, like the universal DH. Well, the pinch hitting has changed. We are a lot lower in pinch hitters by about half per game. Mm-hmm. But as you can see, there's only a four-minute difference. So um, a lot to really take in when you're looking at the sample size. It's still a small sample size. We're about at the 2020 mark right now. So um, if you thought 2020 was a shortened season, well, that's about right where we're at right now, um, just over it. Actually, Saturday would have been the 2020 game mark. There was 896 games played in 2020, and we're just over the 900 mark now. So um a lot to still take in. We're not even to the all-star break, but so far, not much change. Yeah, and we've been talking for less than five minutes. So have either of us, any of us really noticed four minutes gone by so far? Is it really that big of a deal? Look, 2021 was the longest average by year. It was three hours and 11 minutes. And if we look for the modern era, you have, let's see, I'm not going to try and go back here to the 1950s because... Frankly, those just don't count. So let's go 2003, where time time of game was two hours and 49 minutes. Now, this is per nine innings. This doesn't count. Mm-hmm. This this graphic, per se, doesn't count extra inning games or, you know, when they move into the 10th. But we're looking at a difference of, what, 20, 22 minutes in terms of three hours and 11 minutes and two hours and 49 minutes. It's not, it's not that much different. And we play a game. Well, I don't. Neither. Anyways, <laughs> we Put play a game. In we play the game. We're, yeah. We we cover the sport. We I mean, are a part of it. Yeah. I basically am making the same money as Garrett Cole. Like, come on now. <laughs> I'm is. doing the same thing. <laughs> your, ER, every day. your ERA is probably just as good too. So right. Zero. Zero. <laughs> um, but that's twenty. About twenty-two minutes. We play a game that's untimed. What is what is 20 minutes? Football games all the time go three hours, go over three hours, even in um, non-overtime games. You have penalties, you have, you know, substitutions, injuries, all this, all that. Nobody complains about football. Nobody no. complains about soccer. Nobody complains about hockey and basketball. Now, hockey and basketball generally finish in the two and a half hour mark because they have generally, you know, much faster pace. Hockey doesn't not stop almost at all. It feels like sometimes basketball, Devin can probably comment more on that when it comes to basketball, but basketball necessarily doesn't stop unless somebody needs to call a timeout and stop a, stop a rally. Yeah. But basketball is the game of runs. Uh, no pun intended. Basketball essentially functions as you have your 48 minutes and you do as much as you can within those. And then there's overtime, obviously, but any sport that's operating upon a fixed, like down to the second number of time to complete any activity Obviously, you can stick to a far stricter schedule and keep pace of play and just pace of play doesn't matter at that point because the pace is within the parameter of time. That's the biggest thing that the MLB has going against it, in my opinion, in terms of major American professional sports or even international professional sports. Baseball is more akin to bowling than it is to soccer. That's the big thing. We have a diametric shift in how we're enjoying sports and how we're consuming media in general. Um with basketball, like you were saying, it's the stoppages more often than not are media-based timeouts. More more often than not in a basketball game because coaches are elected; they're given six timeouts max per half, and in overtime periods they have two. And most coaches hold on to timeouts by the end of the game. So yeah. most breaks in action for basketball are either fouls, turnovers, or media timeouts. And so that stuff really you can bake that into whatever. 
the programming is going to be based upon the statistics of your average NBA game. But baseball is it's far more antiquated in the way that it was brought into America and how how old the sport truly is. Because before there was ever an NBA tip-off, you had a good 30 years of Major League Baseball. And the same thing with our modern-day NFL. There's so much more history in a game like baseball, especially in America, than any other big three sport that we feature. So for me, any changes that are implemented into a sport like baseball are far harder to accept because it's been around for so much longer. Like the NFL compared to the the, uh, MLB is still in its infancy in some respects. And the same thing with the modern NBA. A lot of these leagues didn't actually hit big time in terms of the notoriety and marketability of their leagues until the MLB had been around for almost 100 years. Like the modern NBA, the NBA has been around since the early 50s, late 40s, if I'm correct, in some capacity. But a lot of people coined the modern NBA starting in the 1980s due to the drug, crime, and just overall lack of marketability for their league. And so not only is the MLB huge, obviously it's been passed over the last two decades, but what we're seeing with baseball is there is a definitive history that we have overseen for the last hundred years. And the history itself is deeply ingrained with nine innings, stats, at-bats, average. The stats are super concrete. So any change into the parameters of what those nine innings or the time between those nine innings could have insane ramifications for any all-time list or any comparison across the history of the sport. I agree with a lot of things you say about basketball. And I'm actually glad you brought NBA up because like any other sport in America, it's always going to get compared to any other sport. Just like you said, Mm. in baseball, because it is quote unquote America's pastime, it's usually the one that gets compared to first basketball. Mm. Although it is very more, way more structured in the way of having, uh, I guess you could call pace of play. They do have some concerns and basketball's concerns have turned into, should they shorten the season? Right. We've heard that over and over again. Right. So why does Mm. that never come up with baseball? That's a concern. Now, I know we are all baseball fans here. We probably don't Mm. want to see a shortened schedule, right? I know that we all, I mean, Austin, you just said it before the show, you watched uh, every single baseball game. I'm sure you maybe would like maybe a little more free time in your life other than 162 regular season games. Maybe, maybe not, you know, just a little bit. Um, But (laughs) what would that do? Would that change the way that fans take it? Would you have uh, more younger crowds taking off? There's a lot of aspects that, you that the major league baseball needs to take off and the 1980s is a prime example i think that was a huge inflection point for all the sports um as you brought up with the nba that was their rise uh really their advancement in their cycle that was the maturing phase of the mlb and when the mitchell report came out in what was 2003 i believe it was that was when the decline started there's no doubt in my mind that's when the decline started in major league baseball with that mitchell report and then with that when that report started the best they could do was find a way. How can we get this younger crowd back in? Steroids isn't going to work anymore. What are we going to do? <laughs> are we going to juice the ball? Um, and now they're coming to the facts where they're not testing for steroids anymore. That's a whole, we could have probably a whole nother podcast episode on that or an actual podcast on it. Um, name it juiced. I don't know. I just gave you a podcast idea. Um, but <laughs> um, with that being said, they have to figure out what is next. And that's why these rules come in. And there are a lot of different rules, some of them that are still sitting in the independent leagues that are testing to see if they can even make it into the majors. But I like that you brought up NBA because it brings up the the biggest question. Why are they focused on a single game 
instead of eliminating some of the 162 games. And I think this is a little off base for pace of play, but I think a huge thing in terms of baseball's biggest problem, because the timing of it is super hard to control day to day, game to game. Baseball is really inconsistent in the parameters in which the players are allowed to exist, whether it be the steroid era, whether it is now this uh, spider spider tax situation with baseballs and like the grip for the pitchers, there's no uniformity across the board. Basically, Baseball's cool because everyone's trying to find that next advantage, whether it be banging on a trash can, wearing an Apple watch, everyone's looking for the edge from the infancy of baseball. You had like people would spit on the ball. They would hawk a loogie. They would do whatever they could to get that inherent advantage. And what we see throughout the other professional sporting leagues, especially in the NFL and the NBA is consistency, at least in terms of the equipment players use the NBA, for example, this previous offseason changed from, Spalding being the official basketball of the NBA to Wilson. And you would say, wow, that's a little off base. Wilson was the actual NBA ball for the first 37 years of the NBA. Switched to Spalding for the next 37, and now we're back to Wilson. But any game ball used in the NBA is the exact same game ball. All 82 games of the schedule, including playoffs for every player that's on the court. And then you look at the NFL. You can go on Amazon today and buy an NFL game ball. It has a name for itself. It is literally called the Duke. If you're on an NFL field, you are using the Duke. And I don't know the last time they even changed what an NFL ball regulation is. And the only scenario where I've heard anything bad about NFL game balls was whenever Tom Brady got caught up in his red receipts with the uh, deflate gate. So to put it bluntly, baseball has this issue where Nobody's having any consistency, whether it be from park to park, team to team, league-wide, juice ball, dead ball, humidors. There's nothing that's regulating what balls are actually in circulation for any player to throw, let alone hit. Because well, here's here here's a big thing about baseball mm-hmm. is in most sports, everybody's kind of on this is gonna sound really weird, but in every other sport, basketball, hockey, um, Soccer, everyone's kind of generally on the same team. Everyone has to practice the same thing. Everyone generally is, you know, expected to shoot baskets, score goals one way or another. Pitchers and fielders are two completely different people, it feels like. it. Hitters, fielders, pitchers don't hit anymore. That, that aspect is gone. They no longer have to give a shit how to handle a bat. Hitters, fielders are a completely different subset. They're on the same team, but they do completely different things, coached completely differently. And baseball is doing this thing where they're asking one group to do one thing and having one group do another. Pitchers are the ones being asked to adjust. You have a different ball. When you have a different ball, no idea. You have a dead ball, you have a juice ball. Sometimes it's different, sometimes it's not. We'll see what happens. Uh, you can't use this, you know, sticky stuff anymore. Oh, by the way, you have to get from the bullpen to the mound and get warmed up in two minutes. Oh, by the way, you have to face three batters. Hitters don't give a shit. Hitters don't have to do a goddamn thing. They're banning the shift. It, it it's it's this weird thing of like the pitchers are completely told to adjust and do things over and over in regards of pace of play, even pitch clocks. Over and over. Yeah, batters can't step out. Who cares? Oh, you can't adjust your batting gloves for the 97th time in a bat? Damn, that's wild. 
Daniel Vogelback will be very upset that he's have to strap his Jose Altuve. There's going to be a lot of issues with that. Um, Before you go on with that, you made a very good point with talking about, you know, the pitchers aren't there. So the three batter minimum, we thought that was going to be a big change, right? Maybe, possibly. Well, it hasn't. Actually, the amount of pitchers per game has, if not stayed the same, it's increased. It's been about the same. I think in 2018, it was like 3.3. Now we're sitting at 3.4 pitchers per game. So Hmm. nothing has really changed with the pitching aspect and and that side of it. So the three batter minimum, has that changed anything? Now it pays to play. If anything, it's just changed the strategy of the roster in in my mind. Um, I, I'm for a universal rule. I was not, if not exactly was I for the universal DH, I think both leagues just should have been equal. Personally, that's just how I felt. Um, I really am going to miss Bartolo Colon home runs. Not going to be lie about that one whatsoever. Um, but the pitching thing doesn't seem to be that big of a difference. Now, the pitch clock we have seen in the minor leagues. Now, I'm not tracking the stats in the minor leagues. I know a few people who are, and just based off what I've read and some abstracts I've seen, that the pitch clock is proving to be significant. The average minor league game was under three hours before the pitch clock was implemented, and now it's getting close to the two hours and 45-minute mark. So it is significant, but how significant? That's really the part. Like, what is the answer that everybody wants for pace of play? Is it to be under the three-hour mark so they can fill TV slots? We're all moving to streaming, so but is TV slots exactly. even going to is, is, is even going to be a, a a reason? I think, for me at the very least, I think all the changes that we're seeing with pace of play, uh, alluding to Austin saying that these pitchers are constantly having to change, I don't see a world in which worse pitching is more in line with shorter game times. I think the better the pitching is, the faster a game moves because you got to get three or six outs per inning. And if people are just mashing the ball and getting on base more often, the games are going to be longer. I don't know how to break that to Bob Manfred. Like if you're listening, buddy, it's going in one ear, one in one ear out the other. And it's a constant push and pull because baseball reached the highest heights they ever had in the steroid era because chicks dig the long ball. But whenever you have eight run games, Obviously, it's going to be a longer runtime than a 1-0 game. Base runners, more at-bats, it occupies more time pitch to pitch because there's just more being thrown. Yeah. And so while it, it's essentially the problem baseball has is this is a game. Every sport across the gamut of industrialized commerce industry, they are games. But what we have lost over time and what people really don't get the point of in terms of this pace of play stuff is the pace of play isn't a game-related issue because you could go all the way back to the 1940s. We had two-hour baseball games. You want to know why? Because it wasn't this industrialized commercial market that we have now. I I have a stat here from an article. It's um, from the nationalarmsrace.com. It has data dating back for like the MLB and their commercialization over the years. So... And a 1952 TV broadcast showed about 13 minutes of action and just nine minutes, 45 seconds of commercials. The latest Wall Street Journal study found that a full 42 minutes and 41 seconds of between inning and activity will be purely commercial time on TV broadcasts. And that's about as uh, recent as 2015, which means from 1952 to 2015, there was an increase about five times as many commercials from then to now, just in the average MLB broadcast. So while I totally get trying to be proactive with a pitch clock and you can't sip out this much in the batter's box, 
baseball doesn't have an issue with the game. They have an issue with what's paying to put the game on at this level. So it's, it's, it's a constant tug of war where I don't think we're going to find a solution unless they're able to kind of negotiate a world in which there's less ad slots and people are paying more for the individual slots because the audience can be there. But at that same time, it's you either fill all the slots and play the game to the fullest part of its ability or I, cause I, as a baseball fan, I'm not super worried about a three-hour baseball game. If I'm buying tickets to go see a game, I'm going to the game and I'm hoping that I get a full nine innings. I right. get extra innings. Baseball is right. the ultimate sport for bang for your buck. If you're paying $150 to $300 for good seats, you could be there almost the whole day if everything goes right. For any sporting event ticket, baseball is the most bang for your buck out of any traditional sport that the leagues offer because – at any NFL game or NBA game, you are getting a minimum this amount of time with the sport. And if you get lucky, there's overtime. With baseball, you sit down, you watch nine innings, you sing the seventh inning stretch, you eat a hot dog, you drink some beer, and you enjoy it. I don't get the emphasis of networks and executives freaking out over increases of three to five minutes year by year. And yeah, if it goes up by a half hour over a decade, you can look into it but I'm not going to blame a starting pitcher for stepping off the mound. I don't think we can blame Derek Jeter for taking practice swings. It's so much bigger than just what individual players and teams impacts are game to game. It's the actual system that's been put before the players to help facilitate their contracts, the organizations and the people that are staffed in the stadiums. Well, it's the, well, don't blame Derek Jeter for anything, or your show's going to get canceled faster than Firefly. So don't do that. I can't. E- I can't even blame him for the, for the Marlins, man. He was he was just doing what he knew. That's right. No, well, I agree. Devin Devin made the perfect point that I was going to make. Look, I I'll admit it. I like to ball when I go to baseball games. I like to sit close. Yeah, I yeah. like to get in when the you know when the gates open. I want to get some autographs. I want to try and hit up some players. I'm paying a lot of money to sit close. I'm not going there for an hour and a half. I'm not going there for two hours. I'm going there for a three-hour game. Tickets are getting more expensive. Look, I go to Oakland A's games, and they're getting more expensive. And that team sucks. Like, like that. Like, how is no... that? How is that? By the way, to be the only person in an MLB stadium, like, how it's is great. that? It, yeah, oh man, okay. let me tell you. Right. Um, <laughs> well, that's like. Some people will still go to the game regardless of the product on the field. That's just oh, you know, sure. that's what we call yeah. season ticket holders. You know, yeah. they they are do or die. They don't give a shit how long the game is. They just want to you know support their team and this and that. And I'm not gonna go there for for two hours. I'd be highly disappointed. Like over the past like 20 years, we've basically fluctuated between two hours and 50 minutes and three hours and 10 minutes. We fluctuated 20 minutes. Nobody really feels 20 minutes. It playoff baseball takes four hours. And if you're watching a playoff game, especially if your team is in it, you don't give a shit how long it goes. You just want to right. win. Yeah. You're just hoping you win. It four hours later, it doesn't matter. It rain the Rangers played the White Sox yesterday in 12 innings. I'm pretty sure the game was about like four something hours. And yes, my blood pressure spiked up and down and left and right, but I didn't care how long the game goes. I just care that the outcome was that we won. Well, that's proof right there that pace of play is just terrible because 12 innings just caused Jermaine Mercedes to retire again. 
um, <laughs> after that, but after that game, but no, he got, he got DFA'd. Sorry, Devin, you made really two good points. Um, what you're saying, you're talking about how, you know, it takes six outs to end an inning. So if pitchers are good, if pitchers are better then the innings should be faster. Hence the pace of play. I agree with you. So why are we banning the shift? Why are we limited in shift? Cause it's not banning. Mm-hmm. It's not banning. We're limiting Altering the shift, right? The parameters of yeah, the shift. So, yeah, let's make sure, you know, if you're listening, it's not being banned. It's, it's a limit. Um, but if you're – so what I feel the MLB is doing here, and it kind of swings into the second point you're making, the MLB is really sitting between a rock and a hard spot. They really are. Mm-hmm. They want to find a way to make the pace of play because they feel like that's just going to help the youth. It's going to build – it's going to build the kids to love baseball more. Okay, great. Awesome. I like what you're doing there. You, you have a good idea. Maybe. All right. Sure. But then you got this other thing. Bring it back to you. What happened in the summer of 98? Well, what, the, the, the craziest home run race of all time, right? In the steroid mm-hmm. era. And they want to bring that back. They want to bring back all of the home runs and, and, and ban the shift and get more runs on the field. Because what do they think that high scoring games will do? It'll make the younger group group excited. It'll get them all pumped up. It'll get them ready to go. Baseball old heads like us. We're going to watch the game regardless. They don't care about us. They don't care about what we think about the game because mm-hmm. regardless, we're not going to stop watching it. We're not. You literally said it perfect. You have – this is a problem with baseball. It, it just has so many inconsistencies. Rob Manfred wants to, wants to speed games up, but he wants more offense. Two complete contradictions. Those will never go together in the same game. Most fast games are generally less than five runs between the two teams. And all these games over are, you know, 10 plus runs between both teams. It, It's literal two things that he's trying to make happen that don't, that will never go together. It's just not how it works. Even hitting solo shots, you could have like, I don't know, the Yankees hit like what, 10,000 solo shots against the Cubs the other day? Yeah, and probably, that was probably around there, 10,000. Yeah. And that was, that was still probably, I'll pull the game up right now. I think it was Saturday, but I'm almost sure that that game probably went over three, three and a half hours because they scored so many runs. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, solo home runs, probably the easiest way to score runs or this and that, but that's just, that's not how this works. Yeah. No, Let's you're see. absolutely, you're absolutely right. While you're looking that up, the Yankees are, you know, the team that has the longest average gameplay this year. And they have the largest run differential this year as well. They're at plus 126 run differential. So those points you made, I just gave you some facts to back it up. I gave you some ammo for it um, because that's exactly, you're exactly right. You got, it goes back to that same thing. They're between a rock and a hard spot. Do they want to do pace of play or they want to um, speed up the offense? Which one do they really feel will bring in the younger crowd? Because that is ultimately what this is all about. I, I, I don't believe in any other reason behind it. I don't believe it's a network issue because they're all moving to streaming sites and our yep. time slots don't matter anymore. Yep. You're not, you're not going to the store or going to channel 10 or whatever to watch the TV guide to see what's on at seven o'clock at night anymore. You're not doing that. If you didn't, I'm if you guys haven't did that, I'm sorry. And- I just aged myself if you, if you haven't <laughs> did that before, but um, <laughs> no, but you're, you're not doing that. It's just not happening. This you, you go to ESPN plus, do you, you go and see what's live right now or what's upcoming when the game starts. You don't worry about when the game ends. I mean, it even happens with like TV series and like Netflix binge watching. You're not, you're, you're, yep. you're not doing that anymore. It's just that has evolved. So baseball's trying to evolve. They just need to decide what route they're going to take. We've seen the NBA and the NFL take different routes where they haven't actually altered the game, but they've altered the presentation. 
look at the look. Let's see, what was it? NFL wild card game. You remember what they did yeah. with Nickelodeon? That was sick. The MVP right. forever, Mitch <laughs> Trubisky. Right. Hanging in the rafters. Of course he was. It was Buffalo Bill. <laughs> I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. So, um, but um, with that with that being said, what if MLB did that for the wild card? There's ex- there's extra teams. Bring that into the game. Find a way to make the kids on a presentation level. The minor league baseball teams, if you go to a minor league game, they do pretty well with the professionals, but it's really good in minor league facilities. They are huge family-oriented at the ballpark itself. But in the presentation on TV, it is not for the Fairweather fan. You have broadcasters that talk about the – the the cider the sliders and the change up it's they don't explain it because they just assume you know it because yeah you must did your research because you got hall of fame pitcher talking to you on there i love it don't get me mm-hmm. wrong but no one not many people go and and research baseball reference like you know us do or look at baseball savant uh you know hour after hour to see what their their, their zone maps look like that's not happening for the 85% of the fans they need to change their presentation they're going the completely wrong way with all of this. Yeah, and I think for me at least, one thing that I know as a, I've been a fan of the NBA since my infancy, damn near. I've been a lifelong Lakers fan, and from watching the even, I feel like the MLB is going through an identity crisis and masking it with pace of play and all these other uh, less deep-seated issues within the game. Because if baseball itself is unsure of what baseball needs to be, I don't know anyone that's going to be super convinced and trying to hitch their wagon to that. You can't market a game that you're not sure where it's going. The NBA in the 2000s compared to where the NBA is today is borderline unwatchable. Um, You had NBA Finals games ending with scores of 89 to 66. Uh, It was the Dark Ages. It was perimeter-oriented. Defenses were a lot more difficult to score against. And as we saw from the 2010s up until now, the 2020s, the NBA did not change basketball, but they changed the way in which we perceive it and how it is played. They put an emphasis on freedom of movement and scoring, and now they're reaping the benefits. As we saw in the 2022 NBA bubble, that was arguably the most pure form of basketball that I myself have seen as an adult due to the uh, just special case scenario that it presented. You had players with minimal travel, uh, minimal, uh, it, it was perfect for every single player. It was the even playing field, no crowds, one site, all of these teams just playing day in and day out, getting to train off the court and being with their team. And it created an impeccable product. A point that I have whenever it comes to the MLB currently is they have a marketing issue because the one thing that the NFL and the NBA have that baseball has not had over my entire life, aside from the era of Ken Griffey Jr., is an ability to market their stars to America as a whole. There's a reason why Stephen Curry is everywhere. And I'll just bring it up bluntly. In the NBA today, there are 18 players with a signature shoe in 2022. That is 22 individual players that children know of because they can wear what the pros are wearing day in and day out. Mike Trout has his own cleat. Bryce Harper has his own shoe. And Francisco Lindor as well has his own shoe. Before that, the only other player that I believe transcended sport and had his own signature shoe was Ken Griffey Jr. In one year, the NBA has more signature shoes for their athletes than baseball's had in the last 30 years. That's a problem. The NFL, while yes, you don't see their faces, their numbers and names and their stature is so much bigger because the NFL has all these partners. You have Patrick Mahomes in Bose ads. You have Dak Prescott in insurance ads. State Farm is a major partner with the NFL and 
the NBA. Why is State Farm not affiliated with the MLB? It makes no sense. It's a perfect marriage. You throw Mike Trout in a red shirt talking to Jake from State Farm. But the MLB refuses to market their talent in a way that is not only advantageous for the individual, but for ownership groups in the league as a whole. Because the MLB cares far more about the bottom line of the owners than they do about the bottom line of the game as a whole. Because I'm looking at uh, baseball reference currently today and attendance numbers for whatever the ownership groups want to complain about attendance wise. Attendance is not down. The only year you can look at is 2021. And congratulations, we were in the freaking weeds of a global pandemic. If you were going outside in 2021, I commend you. I made it to a game. Should I have? Time will tell. But we are finally coming out of this uh, COVID-19 pandemic a little bit. The waves will come and go, but attendance this year currently per game is 25,087. In 2019, before COVID, it was at 28,000. They are having the issues now because player salaries are growing, as they should because inflation in the market. The players drive the market. You pay them what they are worth. But you have ownership groups that are so accustomed to the money that they bring in year after year, and they're relatively cheap. Um, and a problem with it is they want to fix the game because they want it to be faster. So more people go to the parks and more people are going to watch it on TV, but they also want more ads in the game so they can make more money on their back end. So the ownership groups and Bud Selig's and everybody that's in the big office, the MLB calls home, they want the cake and they want to eat it too. And in a perfect world, they could totally do that. But I don't think baseball needs to be shorter. I think baseball needs to invest within itself. Yes. There's no reason why Mike Trout can be able – Mike Trout, essentially, as a day-to-day -day individual, is John Stockton. If you ever watched the 1992 Dream Team documentary, there's footage of John Stockton walking through Barcelona at the Olympics and nobody recognizing him. The funniest part, he's wearing a Dream Team shirt with his face on the shirt. Nobody recognizes him. If I saw Mike Trout in the Costco, I'd, I'd know who he was. But 85% of the population walk right past it. And that is a problem. Of course, people aren't going to the ballparks. They don't know who's playing for half of these teams. And then if you shrink the schedule, you can market the players even more. Because 162 games is a trek for even the greatest athletes known to man. If you expect Mike Trout to sit up for 162 games, you're an optimist. And there's nothing more to it. It is punishing on these people's bodies. And even in the NBA, 82 games is a lot. And yes, shorting, shortening the season, same thing as like shortening games, has direct implications to all-time standings and stuff like that. But if you want the best product, you either have to condense the amount of games. But I don't think shortening the game runtime is going to give you any definitive advantage. Because at that point, you're watering down what makes the game the game, and you're hurting the top-end talent, besides the top, top-end. Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, your top 50 players in all of MLB with a bat, or a ball in their hand at pitcher will perform regardless of circumstance to varying degrees. But you're really, really hurting the floor of what the league is going to have. Your platoon guys, your everyday shortstop that can't hit for average. You're watering down the product much, much more by these constant minuscule changes that are affecting the framework in which these players came up. It, it, just, it just boggles my mind because it's one step forward, two steps back. Because yes, Mike Trout is on pace to be the best player that ever lived, but he can't stay on the field. Shohei Otani will hit 40 home runs because he is that good, but not every player is as talented as the top build stars. And if you want people to care, the floor of the league has to be higher. I can't remember, honestly, a commercial before the Shohei Otani one for MLB The Show. 
I, I can't I can't think of one. That's the it, Joe it's Mauer been a really sick. long time. That was like MLB the show 10. The Joe Mauer one was dope, but I'm sorry. But <laughs> like to your point, there's not a whole lot of memorable memorable ones. You probably yeah. wouldn't recognize Joe Mauer walking down the street. I wouldn't. I, to be fair, I wouldn't recognize a decent amount of Texas Rangers walking down the street. Sometimes I like I need the uniform to fit the face. I'm like, okay, you're that person. Okay, I can under I can get that. Some people probably still think Tom Brady plays for the Patriots, but they know who Tom Brady is because sure. Tom Brady is marketed. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Josh Allen's getting in that spot as well. Josh Allen's a huge, great quarterback, and he's going to be put in that echelon. LeBron yeah, James, like. Go ahead. Josh, I hey for for we a solid year. Josh Allen. We yeah. love Josh Allen on this podcast. Good. Let me tell you, <laughs> good, um, good to hear. But most of the time, you won't recognize these guys walking down the street. You will not recognize Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, any of these guys walking down the street. Um, they just outside of uniform. You're like, I don't, I don't know who that is. And the thing is, there's no scandal anymore. There's not a scandal Bob Manfred can turn to. He can't juice his players and pretend like it didn't happen all of a sudden well not or yet can he? because they just they said they are not going to test this year they could just randomly bring it back and just make it make starling it martes oh, looking oh, his lips they can do whatever they want man i don't know He's, i don't oh. know yeah i don't don't rule out what rob manford could do He's not, he's not the person that needs to be in charge to lead th- this change. I mean, that's mm-hmm. pretty much fair to see. Um, I think that, well, I feel like anybody who's put in that position is going to be set up for failure because at the end of the day, he is just the voice of the owners. He has to make the owners yeah. happy before he makes you know everybody else happy. And, and it's not a public organization. It, Major League Baseball is private. You worry about your shareholders. Your shareholders are your owners. So that's something that we always are going to have to deal with unless they find a way to randomly put the MLB in the public domain. So I think the only way that happens is if Elon Musk's by MLB, we don't want that to happen. So let's not even put that up and bring that um, <laughs> up to mind. All right. But um, the marketing issue that Devin brought up completely agree as much as obviously all the crazy stuff that has just gone down with the Trevor Bauer situation before yeah. all that stuff happened two years ago, I think this was even pre COVID he went on and had that rant on his momentum site where he called out Rob Manfred, talked about how the social media's presence is just terrible, quoted how NBA does all that stuff. If you go to Twitter, if you can see the dunk of the night, you can see the touchdown of the day, but you see nothing with MLB. That was something that was was honestly pretty cool what Bauer did. Now, obviously, everything in the side now. Yeah, like, uh, yeah obviously, a whole different story. Honestly, but. as much as a lot of people, including us, do not like Trevor Bauer, he's right. That was right. It, no, it, that portion it, was completely that, right. That part is right. He's yes. And he has his own YouTube channel. He signed with Momentum. He did a lot of sh- shit to put himself out there. And I don't know if the on-field stuff was necessary to, like, you know, get out there more. Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. But he himself had to do it because MLB was not going to do it for him. And that's a problem when, in 2020, he was the best pitcher in the NL. And before right. the shit, you know with you know what's going on now he was next to the ace of the dodgers yeah. yeah he arguably was still one of the top pitchers in all baseball um you know unfortunate that all that stuff has happened because it has ruined us seeing a, a very good baseball player um mm-hmm. but for rightful reasons why he's not playing if this is happening in my mind but that's a whole different conversation the point that i'm making is that the, the what he made when he was talking on the momentum thing he really pushed the argument how we don't have access as people who are content creating. If you ever try it, it's, it's got a lot more lenient 
But a few years ago, if you put anything, like if you stole a clip, stole, right? If you stole a clip from a baseball home run and put it on social media and said, wow, look at this, immediately flagged, taken over, your account suspended. It's got a lot mm -hmm. better now because the, the fair use has changed a little bit, but it's still nowhere, nowhere near what the NFL and especially the NBA. The NBA, it, it, honestly, what they need to do, MLB needs to take the playbook from the NBA, bring it over to their house, look at it, close it, flip it back open, look at it again, take their playbook, find the nearest fireplace, throw it in the trash, and then go to the copier machine, change the cover page to the NBA one, and put MLB on the top, maybe change the orange ball to a white one with red stripes on it, and just go play and play ball. Because there's a lot of things that um, that the marketing team at NBA does that is out of this world. You can't do better. And that baseball could really, really find a way to improve on. I, For me, baseball is really weird. Because I agree with all the points you guys are making. And baseball has a huge problem in the fact that, like I said, one step forward and two steps back, you have this game that is so root, rooted in American history and all these unwritten rules and all these. Baseball is extremely hard to follow. You watch a guy pimp a home run out, everyone's super excited. He looks at the pitcher too long, the next guy's getting ear hold. How do I explain that to somebody that's never seen baseball? It's so antiquated that it gets in its own way most of the time. And for me, like the social media presence of the NBA is it's, it's so smart. It's so inclusive. NBA Twitter is like a bastion for just free speech and just debate. MLB Twitter, at least their own Twitter page, it's essentially here's a home run. Here's 16 graphics, power rankings, player of the week. And here's a story about Ronald Cunha Jr. and his like family. And all of that is great and it's fun to see, but even even whenever it comes down to like the MLB, I feel like a problem the MLB has is the NBA has this definitive pipeline from college athletics to the pros. Baseball, you find a lot of guys that are either international prospects, high school guys. There's a lot of high-end talent that comes out of college for the MLB year after year. But none of these prospects are really ever marketed unless you're a generational talent, unless you're the top prospect in all of baseball. Baseball does not know how to highlight the best players of today's game while also making people actually have genuine interest in guys that aren't just Julio Rodriguez, Bobby Witt Jr. and Spencer Torkelson. Because if I didn't actually care enough about baseball, if you mentioned Grayson Rodriguez, I would have been like, who the hell is that? Because yeah, it's great whenever you have your Trouts, Otanis and all this other stuff. But what the NBA and even the NFL have is they have this framework and network that is mutually, it's mutually beneficial because Trevor Lawrence has been uh, the NFL's, uh, prize since he started his like second season at Clemson. It was the Andrew Luck sweepstakes. We don't hear about these college prospects that are coming out as the sweepstakes. Like obviously your best players, Bryce Harper got an SI cover, but Mike Trout went like the 27th overall pick the year he was drafted. They just, they have so much at their disposal. They have such a rich history. And even looking at like the networking of the leagues themselves, one thing personally that I love about the NBA is how much they actually use the history of the game to educate the fans. If you go on uh, NBA Network any given day, there's probably one or two hardwood classics going on any given day. They have a special about this era. That, that was NBA 90s, NBA 80s. There's so much programming just lent to the history of the game. Like I, I remember back in middle school, I went on a uh, tour of USC with uh, one of the clubs on my campus. I, I met Michael Cooper. 
NBA Los Angeles Lakers forward. He's not somebody you could pick off the street if you've never watched basketball, but due to the NBA's programming and how much care they put into the greatest teams, greatest dynasties, and just best players to ever touch a court, I was like, holy shit, that's Michael Cooper. If I were to see any, say Juan Gonzalez, if I saw Juan Gonzalez in a college campus somewhere, I would not be able to pick him out of that lineup. It would be impossible because the MLB, while I could look at, at MLB's YouTube TV right now, MLB Network, it's MLB now. And yes, the NBA right now, they have finals previews and such like that. It's the NBA finals tonight. That's going to happen. But the MLB has so many avenues to be able to showcase the greatest moments in the league's history. Like, yes, there are bright spots. Did you watch the MLB network during the lockout? It was all ownership. Half of the guys on the MLB network were like pro owner. Like I lost a lot of respect for a lot of dudes. I was just like, you can't be serious right now. I mean, that's their contract though. I mean, problem. Look what happened to Ken Rosenthal because of I mean, he talked bad about Manfred. He's no longer part of MLB Network, right? So that's insane. Yeah. Because yeah. that's the and thing. You got to be careful here, with that. Here's the thing. Now, Christian, I'm going to pose this question to you. I assume you've been to Camden Yards as an oh, Oriole fan. Of course. Yeah, of course. If you go to Camden Yards, besides watching the game, what else is there to do? Oh, man. Like, is, is, yeah, is there, there's, is, like, there's a, there's a, a, I mean, other than like concessions and stuff, or what else are you, you getting at? Yeah, like activities. I mean, not really much. I mean, it's like, you know, you go to the ball game, you can venture around the concourse and they have really cool historic things like, you know, Cal Ripken's, you know, Jersey, when he hit, when he broke the Ironman streak, they got the the big rubber mound and some glass. I mean, there's some really neat historic moments um, from when Camden Yards happened, you know, a lot of, you know, the wall of fame Mm -hmm. with Mike Mussina on it, you know, Cal Ripken, you know, Brooks Robinson, um, all those guys. But I mean, other than that, it's just a, you know, normal baseball concourse, things like that. There's a playground for kids. So, I mean, a kids have a playground. That's neat. I right guess here, if you here, really want to pay uh, $30 a ticket, take your kids to a playground. But yeah. But here's something interesting. So you, there's, there are some things to see when you go to camping yards outside sure. of the ball game. There's sure. things to do. Granted, the Orioles don't have a good on-field product at this, at this current time. They, yeah. they, I assume they won a couple of years, but like, Let's let's go to Oakland. There ain't a damn thing to do there. Let me tell you about the concrete jungle known as Ring Central Coliseum. When you go to Ring Central, you are going for the game. There is no giant Oakland A. There is no there is no a lot of hall stuff. There's like a wall on the second deck next to a bar with a couple of old, you know, old guys. That's about it. And the problem is the Oakland Athletics, they're not trying this year. They're not trying next year. You know, me and Devin talked about small market teams last season, and I am completely all for shipping out the Marlins and the Rays to Nashville and Montreal, places that actually like baseball. But there, there's a fundamental problem of also as well, people don't want to go to games when their team sucks, obviously. But the issue is that these owners don't really try. A lot of these owners don't really try. Oakland has had an attendance issue for a really long time. And you want to complain that it's pace of play. It's like, no, it's because John Fisher doesn't give a shit and shipped out Olsen, Chapman, Manaya, all these dudes because he didn't want to pay him. And he's not going to pay anybody else. It, it, it's, 
we're not losing fans because of pace of play. It yes, I assume scientifically attention span over the uh, millennials and Gen Z has gone down a little bit with social media and screens, all this, all that. I assume there's some sort of data out there that supports that. But sitting at a game for two hours and 45 minutes compared to sitting at a game for three hours is not the problem. It's the fact that people just don't want to go because there's not a whole lot to do outside unless you're a hardcore baseball fan who wants to go to the game. It There's, there's the so argument. many... I'd make the argument that it. has nothing to do with the, the people who go to the game, though. I think it's all about the television, like the actual physically watching it portion, not at the games, like through TV or streaming on your cell phone or something like that. I don't think that the pace of play argument whatsoever ever had anything to do with the fans going there. You're making a lot of valid points about, obviously, there's a lot of issues elsewhere. But when it comes to pace of play, um, I, I would disagree that it has anything to do with the fans going to the game. Pace no, of play. yeah, for, for, well, go for it. A, bi- a big thing about anything in terms of whatever it be, sports, media, movies, television shows, there are a finite amount of minutes within any 24-hour day. So you have to make a concrete and like active decision to choose what you're watching or consuming at any point as someone that is in this digital age. Obviously, the, the invention of streaming... DVRs, TiVo, whatever you want to name it. There's, we, we are in an era where there's more content at our fingertips than ever before in human history. And so the MLB is not now just fighting against the NFL and the NBA and other sporting leagues for like screen time of people. They're fighting against a completely different beast. And the fact that now the MLB, the MLB is competing against YouTube, Netflix, HBO Max, and not only with the MLB a problem that they have, individual fans are finding it harder to actually find networking for their teams due to regional contracts. The New York Yankees, there's like three different networks you have to subscribe to to watch every single game. It's like the Yes (laughs) Network, Peacock, Apple TV has games that are blacked out now because you have to have Apple TV Plus to watch the games. The MLB's deals with these streaming services are so just scattered well, of course, people aren't going to try and sit down and watch every game because it's so damn hard to track them down. My father, who is one of the biggest Giants fans that I know, was blacked out from watching Giants games because the, it was Comcast Sports Bay Area. Now it's NBC Sports Bay Area. That was blacked out on Dish Network. And I got YouTube TV last year, and I was telling my dad, like, you can watch all of the home Giants games due to that uh, streaming service having that network. But the region, the regionality of individual teams really hurts the overall consumer base because if you are not in the area of your team, you're going to find it extremely difficult unless you pay the MLB money out of your pocket to watch their games day in and day out, which is totally fine. But at least in the NBA or the NFL, you're, anyone's team, as long as you're not the worst team in the league, is getting at least three to four nationally televised games. And with the NFL, there's a full slate on a full day. So odds are you're going to get at least one to th- two to three games out of market prime time for your team, whether it be Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night, or even the Sunday afternoon type games. And the NBA, there's so many games day in and day out. Yes, league pass helps whenever you're trying to watch your team over an extended period of time. But if you're not, if you're a Giants fan in Seattle, Washington, you're going to have a really hard time watching Giants baseball unless you give MLB more money so you can watch the game. And I just, it's exactly what I have to do. I the accessibility of it all. I have no problem paying 80 bucks to watch 162 Mm. Texas Ranger games from California 
and having to, you know, jump on NBC when they play the A's. But local blackouts are the one of the worst things to ever happen. Yeah. And it and it sucks for local teams. Like if I was an Oakland A's fan, I wouldn't be able to watch it on MLB TV. My friend asked me one time, he was like, Hey, I really want to watch the Giants games. You know, what's your MLB password? And I have no problem sharing it with them. But I was like, it's completely useless to you. You can't watch Giants games on MLB.tv. Hypothetically, Austin, Rob might be listening. Yeah. <laughs> Hypothetically sharing. Uh, Rob might yeah, be listening. I, I would I would never I <laughs> would never share my password with anybody. The just Netflix like, CEO you know, is just like <laughs> you only get 16 logins a month. You I go over it, you can <laughs> but local blackouts hurts viewership too because if yeah, you're not gonna a lot of people does. don't use cable anymore. I haven't had cable in a really long time. <laughs> Couldn't tell you the last time I had cable. But lo- local blackouts obviously are an issue, but is it an issue do we see it any other place? Not really. NBA league pass with league passes, there blackouts inside of that. I've never had league pass, but anytime I've talked to people that have it, they have no complaints. You can watch in market, out of market. It's essentially your team season. You can pull it up at any point. You could pay for multiple teams. And a league pass, and the thing with the thing that was cool, and I, I hate NFL Red Zone because it was Direct TV exclusive, and I think it still is. But at least whenever, because cable was huge, and I don't know why the MLB didn't have a cable type deal, because League Pass started out and it was like added to your cable subscription, and you can watch all these games. The MLB is just this arbitrary thing that's off in the ethos on the internet now, and it's it's so much easier to attach yourself to a known entity and households. And market it that way because eventually you can branch off as your own entity. But if you have the foot traffic and the eyes from getting this ad time, partnering with DirecTV or Dish Network or any of these aging mediums, eyes are important. The more eyes you can get on a product or a service, the better it's going to perform. It's just the way that it works because word of mouth only travels so far. And especially with baseball, fan bases tend to be very, very regional unless you're talking about the Yankees, the Dodgers, even the Red Sox. But like the biggest franchises have fans that span across the globe. But I'm not going to find a lot of Oakland athletic fans in Tampa Bay, Florida. It's just not the way that it works. Right. Hell, you don't even find A's fans in Central California at this point. It's it's crazy. You don't find A's fans at the Oakland ballpark. Come on now. <laughs> like, <laughs> To trash that poor team all day, but it's all John Fisher's fault. So Christian Pache is the future. Damn it! I'm not even an Ace fan. I just like that guy. <laughs> hey man, see that's that's nice though. You can have your favorite players on different teams. I have a favorite. I you know I went through every team and picked my favorite player for every team. Yeah, like absolutely. I was like I like watching this guy. I like watching that guy. I like watching and this I, guy. I like watching. That I also guy. I also think that's a problem as well. There's a devout tribalism to baseball fandom that we don't find in the other major sports to a certain extent, because I, myself as a Giants fan, I have this just inherent bias where Dodger fans irk me regardless of the person. Like I'll get to know them and they're totally fine with me, but there is a certain level of like baseball rivalries where shit gets really personal over a game. Like every other year you will hear about a urinal incident where someone got beaten within an inch of their life at a Giants Dodgers game. It's, it's insane. The lengths that people go to and I know this can happen in any sport, but I just baseball's so rigid. You talk to a baseball fan, you even mentioned the fact that you might have a team that's your favorite in the opposite like uh, league, and they're like, "What the hell? You can't do that." As fans, we can do whatever the hell we want. We determine the market. Like without fans, the MLB is just a beer league that eventually runs out of money because there's no fans. But 
baseball in itself takes itself far too seriously. The home run derby should be fun. The all-star game should be fun. Like last or two, two NBA all-stars ago, there was literally like NBA superstars making TikToks with like TikToks, most famous influencers, like just these cringy little videos, but it's outreach. It's making your players more human. It's relatability. It's people look at Stephen Curry and say, I can be him. You look at Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hitting a 400-foot tank. I know for a damn fact I'm not going to be him. Because for one, for one as well, baseball needs to invest in the youth. Because if you, it's very hard to compel one to watch a game that they haven't enjoyed outside of just watching it. Because I myself played two years of football. I'm not a football fan because I love the game as the game in terms of actually doing it. And I played basketball growing up. I love basketball, my favorite sport. That's hand in hand. I grew up playing baseball. Did I watch it all the time? No, but I have a devout appreciation for what the players do because at one point I did it. And I think baseball in and of itself as America's pastime has to maintain that link because yes, they're not going to lose Austin, myself and Christian in terms of viewership and fandom because we love baseball, but just based upon the product they put in front of people in today's market, I don't know how compelled someone's going to be in loving the game if they're not still trying to cultivate it at these smaller levels so people actually get to enjoy it at its base form. Because for me, baseball isn't about the TV deals. Baseball isn't about the merchandising. It's not about fucking A-Rod in the booth talking about his split with J-Lo. I, I really don't care about that stuff. Like, to me, baseball is the game. It's the game within the game. It's looking at velocities. It's looking at the technical stuff, whether it be the lines. Baseball is a production before there were ever cameras introduced. There is no hardwood. There is no turf field. There's some turf fields redacted, but you get what I'm saying. It's like baseball is a huge field type thing. Like whether it be the umps, the bases, everything is so fine tuned to the point where if you've been in it and you've played, you have a deeper appreciation. Not saying you can't have it, but with the way that they actually present the game to people just off the street, it's not compelling in my eyes. Especially whenever you have other leagues that have figured it out far before the MLB. So the burning question that we can all end on, and I think you know, pitch clock will soon come to MLB, whether it be next year or the year after. I, I don't know the word behind that. It's obviously brought some data for us in the minor leagues, and it's cut down the minor leagues games. But, Christian, we'll start with you. Is pace of play a problem? It, like, is this the real problem that MLB should be focusing on? I don't think it's – If you, if, that's a really loaded question, first of all, I would say. <laughs> My bad. I, I think, no, I, no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, like, we just talked about it for an hour, right, with our rants. So I think overall mm -hmm. it's a loaded question. But if I had to put an answer to it, I would say that pace of play is not a problem with the MLB. I think their problem is trying to find better presentation because ultimately, like we said, the reasons they're trying to add these pace of plays is to bring in the younger crowd. The average age, this is something we didn't bring up today. The average age of an MLB baseball fan right now is 42 years old. That's, hmm. that's outrageous. It's outrageous. Wow. So um, need to obviously change that. Um, so, I don't think that's going to change. With the pitch clock coming in, I think we will see some improvement. Will we get close down to the three-hour mark where we were in 2014, 2015? Awesome. Um, 
But with the limiting of the shift, will we get right back up to the three hours and 10 minutes? We might even go higher. So I think we're adding new rules for the sake of changing rosters and getting excitement. But I don't think the pace of play is going to change. I would not be shocked if the first year of the pitch clock is the first year we have three hours and 15 minute baseball games. I wouldn't be shocked. Or three hour, 20 minute baseball games because of the other rules. And then we'll have this conversation next year going, well, why is the pitch clock even here? So, no, I don't think after all of that long winded answer, no, I don't think pace of play is a problem. Devin? Um, if any of my points prior lended anyone to believe that I think pace of play is a major problem for MLB, I, I think it's just a cover. I think baseball has far bigger issues than just how long a game individually takes because the fans that are buying tickets don't care how long the game is going. It's a daily, it's, it's a, it's a daily trek. If I'm going to a giants game, I'm getting there early. I'm staying for the game. I might dip out a little bit early to beat traffic because the, <laughs> the Bay bridge is nothing to play with, but I digress. The, the problem in, in and of itself is the marketability of baseball. They time and time again have dropped the ball, not only for the players and ownership, but for the fans. This is the only major sporting league that has allowed lockouts to derail seasons over the last 40 years. The NBA had a lockout in 99. They still had an NBA finals. The NBA had a lockout in 2010, 2011 started by Christmas had an NBA finals. In the 90s, the MLB lost an entire season of baseball, and they have not been the same since. Yes, the steroid era helped, but they helped, they hung everybody out to slaughter. And honestly, I think if baseball wants to save face, they're going to have to get over themselves and get over the sanctity of the game. If Bud Selig is a Hall of Famer, you got to induct the guys that really buttered his bread for the oh, majority no. of his time. I'm oh, just saying, no. Austin... You've got a league that's on its soapbox and shouting at the world what is right, and they can't even play by their own rules. So the MLB needs to look into the mirror. It needs to market their players, and it needs to tell the full history of the game because Pete Rose is banned, and there's no other sporting leagues aside from – look at O.J. Simpson, Austin. O.J. Simpson is an NFL Hall of Famer. Carl Malone is a basketball Hall of Famer. I will not speak to their play on the court, but – in terms of character, I'm not going to sit here and be a character witness for either of those men. The MLB is riddled with numerous players as such. And to, and to take players out from an era that was dominated by everybody for the same wrongdoing and just not say anything about them, it's not the correct way to bring people to the sport because then you're just choosing. So no, pace of play is not the issue. It never will be the issue. And if it was an issue, we wouldn't go by innings whether it be in the 1930s to today. The issue is with the MLB dropping the ball on getting people into stadiums, getting people on their couches, or even getting people to listen. If they could look in the mirror and market to people, the MLB could actually gain some ground. But until they look in the mirror and actually acknowledge the fact that they're losing the revenue themselves, nothing's going to change. Because you have people in these seats that just don't get it. And one final point, I think the MLB has a really, really cool thing going. Fanatics is now, sports cards is a big thing that I'm into personally. Fanatics is partnered with the MLB, and they're working to have brick-and-mortar stores in damn near every Major League Baseball stadium. There's a reason why sports cards are important to sports in general, because it's an accessible thing, or it used to be accessible to children and young adults alike. 
if fanatics can actually get a foothold in stadiums and allow people to invest in sports cards in younger ages, for me, sports cards made me very much more passionate about the leagues that I followed. And if fanatics can actually get a foothold in these stadiums and people can get their hands in the players that they know and adore, I think that's going to help as well. But yeah, marketing is the issue and getting the word out 100%. Yeah, for me, the two biggest things, it's not it's not pace of play. There's just not enough big difference. If games are getting to like three hours, 30 minutes and like, okay, then something needs to change. If you're like creating half an hour more time just because you can't get consistency, that's the problem. The problem is consistency. The fact that there isn't a real major league consistent baseball that everybody plays with every single day like you get soft ones you get hard ones you get ones that fly you get ones that don't that doesn't make any sense and the biggest problem that i have you can bring the pitch clock to the mlb but the data you're getting from triple a is not going to satisfy you at all because here's the thing you have in terms of power level you have triple a and then you have major league baseball the difference between AAA and Major League Baseball is so vast in terms of skill. Guys are going to take pitches more. Guys are going to foul pitches off more. Guys are going to go down and get pitches more and hit them for base hits. It's just not – I'm not saying the data is, is wrong. It's just I don't think it's sufficient to go off of to say that a lot of these guys who will never see a Major League field for more than 162 games – that's the data we're going to go off of. And like, yeah, these guys are going to come up and be faster, but I just don't think it's going to make, it's going to make a difference. I think there's definitely different problems that we touched on today and we could touch on for years upon years of time that need to be addressed before anything. And Manfred gets a lot of shit because he was the one who had to deal with the Astro situation. He's had to deal with, you know, COVID and this and that, you know, I'm not going to sit here and defend Rob Manfred, but he's in a he's in a shitty spot. He he was yeah. destined to fail as an MLB commissioner. There was nothing he could have done. He probably could have wiped the Astros off the map, and he probably it would have been a lot of backlash because then you're like, well, wait, now there's you know one less team and this and that. Like it just no matter what Rob Manfred does, we are going to see it in a bad light because of his track record because he was basically destined to fail. So baseball i love it to death it people you want to tell me baseball's dying it's just it it's just not the, the fact is that it's just not whatsoever it'll i don't know if it'll flourish i don't know if it'll get worse or if it'll get better but it's definitely not dying anytime soon and i i could really go on this for days but i think we hit a lot of good points today um and this could be a six hour show for crying out loud. It, it it could go on all day because there's just so many different things that correlates MLB and all the other sports and how MLB is run and this and that. We, we didn't even talk about the, the Tampa Bay Rays and Cardinals playing an hour and 54 minute game. We talked about it before the podcast, but Shane McClanahan, Miles Michaelis <laughs> almost I, McClanahan went eight innings and Jason Adams got the last three outs. Miles Michaelis pitched an eight game in eight, eight game eight inning complete game hour 54 minutes two to one see you later it was fun for us to watch it we enjoyed (laughs) watching that game but is the younger crowd gonna like uh just a pitching duel that lasts less than two hours probably not right but and then you get into the whole you open pandora's box of like if you want shorter games that's what you're gonna get rock in a hard spot rock in a hard spot man 
my closing my closing statement for me is the first like industry so we have data on game times well this isn't game time this would be so total runs per game we have data on baseball reference all the way back to 1876 as a, as a major league entity baseball has had so much more time to fine tune everything about their game than the NFL or the NBA have in general I think if the MLB wants to fix a pace of play issue or they want to improve the product on the court or on the field respectively, they're going to have to get, I feel like they should take a, they should take uh, parts of the NFL's playbook in the NBA. Like Christian was saying, if they took the NBA's playbook threw theirs in the fire and said, Hey, just write MLB over NBA. Like we can figure this out guys. It, they probably serve better kind of joining both strategies of the NFL and the NBA because the NBA's marketing and the NFL's ability to recognize what rules need to be changed or just the fabric of games because the NFL just this previous year added an extra regular season game to each year moving forward in the NFL. They said, yeah, records are going to get a little wonky, but it's to benefit the game. I think if baseball is serious about it and they're looking to grab that extra foothold, you have to get into the homes, and I think baseball would be served better if they drop some games in the regular season, make them matter more to a certain extent. There's a reason why everybody tunes in for all 17 NFL games, because each game matters that much more. And then the NBA, we have the same argument. They could drop some games and help preserve players. Regardless of what side on the fence, you're on for that. The regular season then matters more. And with this expanded playoff coming in, you're already going to get more games in the back end from these playoff series. You can afford to probably cut five to 10 per team just to make the games matter more because whenever you have an excess of anything, it's going to have less value in the grand scheme. So good luck, Rob. Um, if I can call you that Mr. Manfred, that's better. Um, all, all statements are of my opinion and my opinion alone, Rob. So do not uh, come after my friends. So, <laughs> But yeah, baseball, balls, the ball is proverbially in your court. So do as you wish, but it shouldn't be this hard. Is the ball juiced or dead? Hey, dude, you got to ask Rob. I don't have a humidor <laughs> in my house, so I can't tell oh, you. Super awkward. <laughs> all right. So before we all go on 17 more rants about yeah, why we hate baseball but love it at the same time, I just want to, first of all, Christian, thank you for coming on with us. And ranting yes, thank this you. for a while. Um, I know you you always have a lot of stuff going on in life and in content. Um, if there's anything you'd like to throw out right now, I know you got like Wowie and the Kid in the morning. I saw that this morning. Um, Slasher Sports always got something going on. I see it on the feed all the time. So floor is yours if you got anything. Well, I appreciate it. This was fun. I'd love to come back on some other time and um, rant about baseball or other sports. Uh, really excited to, to just – to just talk sports and have a good time with everyone. I'm always, always about that. But yeah, um, I do appreciate the, the little plug here. You can find all of my work and uh, a few of my friends over at Slasher Sports on Twitter at Slasher Sports or at SlasherSports.com. Um, you'll find all of our podcasts, our content creation, our articles. Um, we're huge on, on DraftKings Fantasy. We're huge on um, baseball content. We're starting basketball with the NBA draft coming up. We have a couple uh, prospect pieces coming out here pretty soon. Um, really looking into some of the really top guys like Jabari Smith Jr., who I think is absolutely insane, by the way. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of really fun things coming out over on our website. And we're not just sports. 
the slasher side of the house comes into um, our, our co-founder, Billy Graves, huge horror fan. So he's got a horror fan podcast called Slasher and Screamers, uh, which is arguably one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my entire life. I hate horror <laughs> shows, but those guys are a riot. So uh, other than that, thank you guys so much for uh, for having me on. And I look forward to uh, doing this again with you guys. Yeah, pleasure having you, Christian. It's been a blast. We look forward to having you again. I, I, I think I could speak for Austin and myself. I've never heard Austin say no. I don't want to guess back. So it was a blast. <laughs> awesome. Well, good to hear it. <laughs> well, um, speaking of NBA draft, um, Devin will be here next week for the NBA draft. I'm starting a new job, so I might not be here. Times are a little funky, funky, funky. Times are weird. Times are hard. <laughs> Time is money, um, but Devin will have a guest with him to break down the NBA draft, so that'll be a lot of fun. For I will sure. be able to publish my Chet Holmgren manifesto and why you shouldn't <laughs> be worried about his weight. <laughs> Ooh, I'll be I'll be tuned in because I'm really excited. That's a I had a big conversation about that just the other day on my page, asking about you know, can his frame be a big deal. So I'll, I'd love to hear that one. Perfect. Sweet. Well, Austin, if everybody's done, I think the people are waiting for the final word. As per tradition, um, no more Barry Bonds rants out of me today. Once again, thank you to Christian for coming on. And from all of us here at the Makeshift Managers and Christian to you guys, peace.